This is the Author Blur Podcast, where readers and authors connect. We are here for you to learn and discover those authors who are not either large names or as popular as some might find, but they're entertaining, they're fun, and they're enjoyable to listen to in these interviews. So take the time, learn more about them, enjoy the interviews, and remember to go to authorblurb.com where you can find out more about them, about the shows, and other guests that we have. Welcome to the Author Blurb Podcast. So I am here with Frank Zafiro. Now, if you've been paying attention to the show, you know Frank has been on the show before. We've discussed his massive collection of crime thriller books, noirs. I mean, just a collection to be had, the best I can say. Literally, I could probably go through. I've read and actually, I think by the time we're talking, the review for the Four Horsemen's book that I did for your one book has come out. So, Frank, I appreciate you being here. I want to say it's a pleasure. I enjoyed talking with you last time. Yeah, and, I have, and if you could, just for anyone that hasn't seen the previous episode with you, can you tell them a bit about yourself, about your books, and then we can discuss about the books you actually have four coming out this year, four or five coming out this year. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I write crime fiction from uh, gritty crime fiction from both sides of the badge. Uh, I'm able to write from the police side of the badge with some uh, authenticity because I was in law enforcement for, for 20 years. Um, I was fortunate in my career to do a lot of the line work for the first half of my career. So patrol officer, detective, corporal, uh, training officer, things like this. Um, and then in the second half of my career, I was in leadership roles. So I got to see some parts of the department that I wouldn't have got to see as a line officer. I mean, uh, I would I would never have made it onto the SWAT team, but I got to be the commander of the SWAT team. So I got <laughs> to learn about the SWAT team. Same thing with the canine unit, uh, volunteer uh, services unit, and so forth. Uh, and then in the, the latter uh, few years of my career, I was part of the command staff. So I got to see how things are done from the 30,000 foot level, including some of the politics at the city level that go on. All of this really informed my uh, police procedural writing, much of which uh, goes into my flagship series, the River City series, which uh, follows an ensemble group of, of police officers and detectives and, and some leaders uh, you know, throughout, throughout the years. It begins in 1994 and I'm I'm up to 2010 with the uh, the upcoming release, so I'm slowly catching up to to now over time. Uh, but I also write from the other side of the badge. Uh, I guess the best example of that might be my Spoke Compton series, which focuses uh, more on the criminals, um, and and they see the the cops more as antagonists than as as protagonists. Uh, and that's a lot of fun too, because you can do different things when you're writing criminals than when you are, are writing cops. Um, and so, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, to date, I've, I've written um, over 40 novels, and, and most of those are crime fiction. There are a few in, in some other genres. Um, and I do write a little bit under my given name, uh, Frank Scalise, but the majority of my work is, is Frank Zaffaro, uh crime fiction. All right. Now, your big series that I think a lot of people you said know you is, is the River City series which that's just a massive collection of books there, which 
that I guess is, I would hate to say we could actually go into all your series and just spend all day and then some discussing them. So this, we're recording this at the end of March of 2023. What is, you said you just had a book come out. Mm-hmm. Let's go in the order of the time that these books will be coming out with the one that just came out and then move forward so people can, if they're listening to this, they can just get the books as they come. All right, sure. Uh, well, in February, I released the fourth book in the Stefan Copriva mystery series. And uh, Stefan Copriva really had a start in the River City series. So this is a spinoff uh, private detective series. A little bit of a spoiler, I guess, for people who haven't started River City yet. <laughs> um, but um, some events occur fairly early in the series that result in this character uh, leaving the department uh, in disgrace. And the, the, the spinoff series picks up about 10 years after that event. And he is sort of an unlicensed private investigator. In the first book, uh, Waste Deep, he, he gets asked to help an old high school acquaintance uh, find his uh, runaway daughter. And really, it's an opportunity for redemption for Copriva. Uh, who feels incredibly guilty for the events that that did drive him from the police department. And he's kind of wallowed in that self-pity for uh, quite a long while. And now he's starting to try to climb out of that hole. Um, And so that that takes place in 2005. This uh, current book takes place in 2009. So four books, uh, you know, four years, you can kind of see a pattern there. Right. Uh, And this this one is called Hope Dies Last. And... uh, after three books and, and 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 quite a few beatings, both figuratively and literally, um, you know, Copriva is not in too bad of a place at the beginning of this book. He's he's got a a, a good uh, couple of friends. He's got a, a relationship uh, with with a woman that is actually healthy, uh, and he's working pretty regularly as a contract uh, employee for a defense attorney doing investigative work, um, and so. You know, life is is a little bit better than it was when we first meet him uh, in Waste Deep. And then uh, the mother who deserted him when he was very young uh, suddenly reappears in his life and throws everything out of whack. So uh, (laughs) she wants some help with something. Um, Well, actually, she wants to reconnect with him. And he has a difficult time believing that, uh, accepting that. Uh, deciding whether he wants that or not, because, you know, there's a lot of, of deep, deep, uh, deeply felt emotions there, um, as, as you can imagine. Uh, and what follows, without giving away any spoilers, but what follows is a, a bit of a betrayal, uh, a murder, and a mystery that he feels very compelled to uh, try to solve, but isn't too sure he wants the answers that he's starting to find as he tries to solve it. Um, so it's a, a bit of a, of a rough journey for him, uh, which is pretty much the norm for this character. It's a first-person uh, private investigator series and uh, a little bit dark, but ultimately, um, uh, you know, I try, to, I try to inject a little bit of hope or at least resiliency into these books. Uh, I mean, the, the title says it all, Hope Dies Last. Right. So with that, I mean, is this the wrapping up of the series is there possibly more to it i mean some people they like to stick to a three or four book format 
if it's anything like your River Series series, then who knows if there's ever an end to it. You know, I've got two more planned, um, and and uh, it, with a lot of the series that are, you know, open series right now, I mean, I have a couple of series that are closed series. They're done. They're finished. Right. Um, but a couple that are still open, I, I, I see them hitting sort of a pause spot where they're going to be done for a little while. And then if, you know, an idea comes along that I, I really need to engage with, then then I'll continue them. Um, but I see that that Copriva series has two more uh, on deck and then it'll hit sort of that pause point uh, at number six. And, and maybe that's where it'll end in terms of that'll be the last one. If, if, if I don't feel like there's a, a really compelling story that needs to be told in, in his life. Um, but in any event, it'll, it'll pause there for, for a while. All right. And then you have another book coming out. I think you said July. Am I thinking uh, correctly yeah, or was it? July 8th. July 8th. Now that book, I'm trying to remember the order these are coming in. So. <laughs> you can be forgiven for being confused. There's a lot of different <laughs> series. Uh, this is the Spokompton series, which is the the antithesis, really, of the River City series. It's the, when I say gritty crime fiction from both sides of the badge, this is the underside. Um, and this is the fifth book in that series. Uh, so the first four um, have all been um, from a single character's point of view. Um sometimes first person, sometimes third person, but always from a single character's point of view. Um, this one and the next one are a little a little different in that there are multiple points of view. Um, this one's called Shades of Night. Um, night as in night in shining armor night, not uh, opposite of daytime. Um, right. and, and that comes from uh, all of the point of view characters are members of the Knight family. And the Knight family in the Spokompton version of Spokane is a uh, patriarch who uh, named Solomon who owns uh, the corporation that runs Knight's Grocery and Deli. So it's kind of a big, big deal there in the region. And he has uh, six kids uh, and, and, and each of them kind of has, has, have gone their own way. And um, they all get a point of view at one point or another in this story. Uh, and the premise is just that um, the youngest, uh, Lily, uh, is is caught up in the drug world, and 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 Solomon calls the other siblings together and says, you know, we need to find your sister and 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 rescue her, basically. And so uh, it's pretty straightforward in that regard. But all these different kids in the family have have different professions and different attitudes about the situation. I mean, one's a police officer, one's a criminal, uh, one's trying to get her own business off the ground, uh, one's a musician and an artist, uh, one's trying to follow in, in dad's footsteps and, and having a tough time doing that. And so they all have their own drama happening at the same time. And so there's a lot of threads uh, being pulled all, all at once. And because it's Spokompton, everybody's a little bit dirty in one way or another, you know, in some ways that may surprise people as they, as they read it. And there's a couple of secrets that, that, that don't necessarily come out right away. Uh, so this is the fifth book in the Spokompton series, Shades of Night. It'll be out July 8th. Um, and to your earlier question, 
the next one is called All the Minor Kings, and that will probably be a pause point once that comes out next year as well, uh, much like the Coprita series. All right. And then, so with that, I mean, what is the location? Because you're in, out in Oregon, if I remember, but your books aren't set in Oregon. I forget where they're set at. They're set in either Spokane, Washington, which is in eastern Washington, um, or a fictional version of Spokane. Most of them. I mean, they're not all of them, but the 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 series that we've talked about so far are, are either in uh, River City, which is a fic- fictional, thinly veiled uh, Spokane, or in uh, in Spokane proper uh, in the Spokompton universe. Right. Uh, and so uh, I haven't written anything set here in central Oregon where I live now, but uh, I, I think that's going to change uh, here in the next year or two. I've got a few ideas that I think might might fit the setting. All right. Well, that's good. I know the central Oregon area is a much different setting than Spokane is. Now, yes, yeah, both in terms of the climate and 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 there's some cultural differences too. I mean, they're not huge. It's all Pacific Northwest. It's all America. But right, anybody who knows anything about the country knows that there there's a, a literal ton of, of subcultures uh, within the larger American culture, and and so there are differences, um, you know, and, and differences of scale. I mean, I live in a town. Now that's 35,000 people. I mean, Spokane's a quarter of a million, uh, you know, half a million in the metro area. The, the closest city to me is Bend, Bend, Oregon, which is around 90 to 100,000. So there are some some differences of scale. And, and, and sometimes I think that can, can impact the kind of story that you want to tell, or at least the flavor of it. Um, you know, there's not as much anonymity in a smaller town as there is in a bigger city, for uh, example. Um, so it, it's kind of fun to consider playing with 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 the differences. I was going to say, because I know I grew up in a small town where literally everybody knew your name and <laughs> and your business. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember what was it when I was a young kid? I snuck into a private property that had a little quarry kind of in the back. And by the time I got home, my mom already knew because somebody called her. But now (laughs) in the bigger cities, like right now, I live in a much larger city outside of D.C. And literally, I don't know the name of like people a couple doors down from me. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. where small towns people on the other side of the town knows exactly who you are compared to in larger towns. You don't even know the guy down the block. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so the storytelling, uh, you know, you could tell the same story, but the, the texture of it's going to be way different uh, because those human interactions are going to be different. So it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating to me, which is why I've been toying with what kind of a story I want to tell set here in central Oregon. Um, but, uh, but you know, I've got things in the queue, so I've got to work my way to those. You right. Know? <laughs> oh, trust me, I understand it. I have a queue of myself, and with everything going on, it just takes time to get through them all. So, yeah. you're with the South Compton series, that's 
the like you said the grittier side of the crime side so right. with that series you have that and then you have you said another book coming out before that goes on pause what's and then i think you said the other one's in october or december forgive me my well, mind's actually, a little shady. I think you nailed both months, actually. All right, perfect. So yeah, what's coming out City, in October? The next River City book comes out in October. Okay. Uh, it's called All the Forgotten Yesterdays. Um, I think it's the 14th or so, maybe, in this series. I'd have to go check now. I, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know the exact number. Um, but uh, it, it's, you know, the last couple of books I've... Uh, focused on the character of Katie McLeod in her role as a detective. Now, Katie has been a central character since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, she really has been the core of the series for me. And so even though in some outings um, she's played a smaller role, many of them she's played a very uh, central role. And in, in, in last year's uh, book, The Worst Kind of Truth, it was purely from her point of view as a detective investigating a couple of cases. Uh, this one is mostly from her point of view as she is investigating a serial burglar who is targeting uh, elderly victims and uh, cutting their window screen to gain entry and, and targeting particular items uh, in the house to, that make it difficult to, to catch him, uh, particularly cash and and uh, medication. So uh, so she's got that case she's trying to work on and that's ongoing. At the same time, she gets handled, uh, handed a five-year-old missing persons case that comes up because the, the missing woman's mother uh, is making some noise and gets a council member to, to uh, make some noise and the squeaky wheel getting the grease is, is what happens here. Right. Uh, so she's got to kind of juggle these two cases at the same time. Um, and that's about 80% of the points of view chapters or, or scenes. Um, but we do get uh, a few other uh, points of view from some of the patrol officers uh, who are helping to try to find this, uh, catch this burglar. Uh, so uh, the thing about it is, is as Katie's investigating both of these cases, particularly the missing girl, she starts to come upon some things that you know are, are secrets buried in the past uh, from a lot of different characters, uh, secrets that they you know like to leave in the past forgotten, hence mm -hmm. the title. Uh, and so she's you know has to overcome that as well. Uh, some of which make her uncomfortable. So she 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 go she gets a bit of a rough ride on a couple of points here. Uh, but I've never been shy about making things difficult for her. Um, what I like about her is that even if they are difficult, even if they're crushingly so, uh, she's honest about the impact of that, but she also doesn't shy away from it. She has the grit to continue to move forward uh, in a very honest way, a very unrelenting way, uh, and that's one of the things that makes her one of my favorite characters. All right. Now, here's something I'm a little curious about, and I don't know if anybody else really cares other than me but <laughs> the fact is is hey, it's your show you're the only one who has to care <laughs> exactly i do like to try to make it entertaining for other people but i am curious so you're talking about the main character mcleod 
taken on two cases. So you watch TV shows, you watch, you read crime thriller books, and the detective always has just this one case that they're trying to break. This one case everything is focused on. It's all based around just one case. Now, I really never thought about it much until you actually just said she's dealing with two cases. What is, from a realistic standpoint, I now that I think about it, I can't imagine a cop just working on one case and one case only. What is usually the realistic load that a cop has to take on or a detective takes on when dealing with this situation? Well, it does depend a little bit on what kind of detective we're, we're talking about. If you are um, a property crimes detective or, or whatever the equivalent of that is in, in your agency, um, you're probably juggling, I mean, however many cases they assign to you. I mean, it's, it varies by jurisdiction, um, but you're, you're juggling a number of cases. I mean, um, when I was a, a detective uh, and in, in property crimes for a couple of years, and this is back 2001, 2002, so we're talking a long time ago, but um, I had anywhere from 18 to 25 active cases on my desk at any given time. Um, I, I tended to hold on to cases longer than a lot of detectives did just because I felt like I could back burner them a little bit. And then if, if I hit a wall where I was waiting for something on all of my super active cases, I could grab these sort of back burner cases and, and try to make some headway on them, even though maybe they, they were to the point where some detectives would have called no joy on them and said, there's nothing more I can do with this. Um, you know, sometimes that ended in frustration. I ended up suspending the case anyway. Um, but other times, uh, you know, persistence paid off and some cases got solved that, that would have just languished in, in the suspended drawer uh, if I had not hung on to them. Um, but if you're working serious cases like Katie McLeod is, and she's working in major crimes in this in this novel, and has been for a while, um, you have considerably fewer cases. Um, and and when something breaks, uh, say a homicide or a very serious assault or sexual assault, um, that does tend to move to the forefront, uh, particularly in the immediate aftermath of the event, because some of the most important uh, time periods or the most important time period for most cases is that that first day or, or few days that you're working on it when everything is still fresh. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why there's a show called the first 48 hours or, or whatever it is, you know, right. Uh, that that maxim is somewhat true. Um, uh, so you would work almost exclusively on that case um, if, if you could if you could push pause on your other cases, if they're in a place where where whatever's going on can hold for a bit while you're working this new case that has things going on that can't hold that if you wait that 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 witness is going to leave town or that evidence is is not going to be available anymore or uh, uh, you know witnesses are are going to start to forget or they're going to they're going to be polluted their their uh, recollection is going to be impacted by other things they see and hear uh, rather than be a, a little closer to to pure, which it's never pure, but a, at least a little closer to that. Um, so what you see on TV, I think, is is basically a simplified version of that. 
Um, I don't know if there'd be a lot to be gained from showing the background stuff that's going on. So they just focus on the actual case at hand. I kind of wanted to show that, you know, when it's not a, you know, homicide, when it's not a, uh, you know, a a, a huge case that's just burning, um, that, that even major crimes detectives, you know, are juggling, you know, two, three cases at once. Uh, This burglary case spills over into major crimes because the lieutenant feels like it's a serial case. Uh, There's only been two, but but that's what he thinks, and he wants a major crimes detective on it, so he pulls it away from property crimes and and gives it to Katie to work. Uh, And it turns out he's right, so probably it was a good decision. All right, now... it's not the only case she's working on. understand. So do you actually show, like, the complexities in the River City series with Katie on all these different nuances, multiple cases, juggling, trying to balance, you have a lot of cases on your mind, then you're trying to balance life and all the other God knows what kind of things happening. Do you show that in the books or is it kind of in the background or just hinted on? No, I dive into that pretty deeply. That's that's kind of the premise of the show or of the series <laughs> rather is that it shows, um, you know, the the uh, mostly authentic details of the investigations and the events, shows the officers in a very realistic light, which is not always a favorable one, although their mistakes tend to be honest ones, not not malicious ones, but they still make mistakes. Right. Um, and, and that they're human beings, and therefore you get some uh, snippet of their private lives. Now, I, I, I don't want to you know, write a, uh, you know, a, a family drama with relationships being the, the focus necessarily. So, you know, you get to see private life stuff, but it's not, you know, that's not the, 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 the overall focus. The overall focus is on the crime, you know, on the investigation. Um, but we, you know, I, I explore the, the human element of that, the toll it takes on the victims, the toll it takes on the investigators the impact on on the community. I mean, um, the third book in the series, Beneath a Weeping Sky, uh, has a serial uh, rapist on the loose. And that has a very, very powerful impact on the community, much less the victims themselves, which, you know, has a life-altering impact on, and, and, and the investigators who it has, has an impact on as well. Uh, so I try to explore all of that. Uh, in a way that is uh, as close to reality as fiction can be. I mean, if it was reality, it would be a textbook. <laughs> so that's no problem. <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, you know, admittedly, I amp things up for the for the sake of of, of, of fiction and and drama and and excitement and so forth. Um, but uh, uh, the individual events, I hope, are are depicted in a way that's very realistic. Um, you know, without getting bogged down, uh, you know, if I can help it. Understand, which makes sense. I mean, you don't want to go to the be nothing but a police report, but right. You know, but as a police procedural, you have to get all, all those facts in, get all the stuff, which is a huge market out there right now because a lot of people do enjoy that. I've tried to read a few books on that, and I do have you on my list for the river city because i know once i start that i can just dive right through it 
So it's not a ending series yet, but it. And then, not for a while. Uh, not for a while. I, I, I'm I'm thinking. You know, I'll get to the early 20s at least in in the number of of them uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I've got the stories at least mapped out in a very broad way uh, as to where things are going to go with characters and what kind of stories that, that are going to happen. So, those folks who enjoy the River City series, you, you you'll you'll see at least 22 or 23 of them and. I mean, that's where I'm at today. So, you know, I, I imagine that'll extend as I get closer to it. Uh, but you're right. It's important to get the facts right. And and that includes things like, I'm, as I read through again, I remember, oh, you know, she contacted this guy over here to get some information. I know that information is not important, has nothing to do with the case. But the reader doesn't know that. And Katie doesn't know that. And I forgot to have her follow up on that. I need to have her follow up on that. <laughs> and then on a subsequent read, I was like, oh, she followed up. She actually, you know, somebody gave, one witness gave the name of this person who knew something. She didn't follow up on it. So in the revision, I'm like, I, I need to fix that. She would follow up on that. But then I didn't have that person respond, <laughs> even because it was all a dead end in my mind. And, and I realized I wasn't doing a very good job of showing that there are a lot of dead ends and you have to cross some T's and dot some I's and, and, you know, sometimes you're looking for information just to eliminate that person as a potential suspect or to eliminate that possibility uh, as something that could have occurred. Because if you don't do that, then you run the risk of being accused of hyper-focusing on a suspect to the exclusion of other possibilities and ending up with an innocent person, either literally or accused of having done that by the defense. And so good investigations have to be very specific, but they also have to be very broad. And so I, I noticed in this in, in, in my revision that in the broad area, I had I dropped a couple of strings and I had to pick them up and, and, and tie them off. Um, I'm sure there's a couple more that, that I'll discover in my final read through before I put it up for publication. Uh, right. But that's the nature that's the nature of a procedural is is you have to focus on those details. Uh, because that's the genre. Oh, yeah, and I understand that completely. Now, here's something. You were mentioning eliminating this, eliminating that. And with a book, you said you're plan you've already planned out it to go to 23 as of today, and that could expand even more. With a series that big, you develop a ton of characters. You end up with all these different people that don't need to continue on into the series, say a secondary character, do you tend to have a habit of, in the Riverside series, what do people expect the char side characters and these other people to just kind of go stage left? Or do you actually just kill them off? So <laughs> that, because, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, I hate to see a good character die, but sometimes that getting upset that a character you like got killed. I mean, I'm, I'd say that I'm going through, um, the Dredson files by Jim butcher, which is a detective fantasy, urban fantasy kind of thing. And he kills off people left and right that you love to death. And when you hear they die, you're like, no, is that something you do as well? Cause before I get into river city, I want to know, am I going to have like emotional, anger towards somebody going away or is it just they disappear from the story well that's a great question that's a big question um, 
I, so I think I'll answer two different ways. One way is to say that the fourth book in the series is called And Every Man Has to Die. So will you run into characters dying that you don't want to see die? Absolutely. Uh, characters will retire that you wish would stay around because it's a realistic book. Now, I mean, stuff gets stretched out a little bit when it comes to realism. People do things that maybe an older age, then perhaps they'd be able to do that in real life. But that's fiction. Uh, but generally speaking, it's at least one foot on the ground uh, in, in realism. Uh, so you will get attached to characters that you will have to move on from at some point. Um, if they're in the main cast, even a minor character, if they're a police officer, essentially, or part of the world that policing touches, uh, you know, the newspaper, uh, the media, uh, uh, politics, uh, that sort of thing, uh, the, the courts, those characters, they also proceed through the series. Uh, there's a prosecutor early on in the series who eventually becomes a judge. Uh, there's a, a, an assistant prosecutor who goes out into the private sector and then comes back as a prosecutor again. And, and, and I don't spend a lot of time going into their arcs. Uh, you know, you don't, you know, push pause and give a, you know, two page info dump on what they've been up to recently. But it, a careful reader will go, oh, wait, that was, you know, that was, you know, this this prosecutor's assistant. Now she's defending Katie in this lawsuit, you know, so she's obviously gone into the private sector. Later on, you see her back in the prosecutor's office and, you know, one or two line explanation is all you, you really get. But you get to follow these characters. Uh, same thing with with you know, the newspaper journalist, uh, Pam Lincoln, or the uh, uh, television uh, uh, field reporter, Shauna Matheson, uh, you know, things like this. Uh, it's, 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 I guess if I'm going to kill people off, it's more on the, on the bad guy side of things, but not even there entirely. I mean, there are some characters that are on the negative side of the ledger who, you know, are still around, uh, uh, and I don't want to give any spoilers there, but some right. of them are, you know, flying under the radar, or, you know, uh, I, ha I had one in, uh, character in the sixth book who was pretty important character, uh, not a police officer, who uh, was really only a big character in that book, who will make cameo uh, here in the next book, not the one that's coming out, All the Forgotten Yesterdays, but uh, Nor Shadowed Heart, which is the, the, the next book that'll be out next year. Uh, so I bring them back around. So, you know, if you get attached to characters, you're going to you're going to lose some of them. But you if you if you read the entire series, there's going to be a like, oh, hey, I remember this guy. It was nice to see his face again. Or I remember her. She did this and now she's doing that. And and I think that that that's almost a not exactly an Easter egg. It's a little more than an Easter egg, but it's a, for me, it's a, 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 a one, a way to reward the careful reader who is a series reader who reads them all. Right. Uh, and, and two, as on the craft side of things, you know, people think of fantasy or science fiction when they hear the term world building. But if you're writing a crime fiction series, uh, featuring a cast of characters, you're world building there as well. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's part of world building. You know, if I need a, a character to, that needs to do certain things, the first place I look is, do I have an existing character in this universe that it would make sense for them to be 
the person that does that. And if if the answer is even close to yes, I try to make that work because it's a part of the world building. I understand. Well, in world building, you also have a fictional city mm-hmm. that you're building off of that. So, I mean, between the characters and everything else, the, yeah, there's a lot there. And as you said, the series reader that's following through everything, like I said, I enjoy the long series books and going through that, I know personally those little nuggets of, oh, yeah, this person was from this book or right. or I don't remember where this person's from, but I remember they did this and that. It's actually a nice little feature that I enjoy, too. But like I said, because I do tend to remember characters and get wrapped up in them, even if they're side characters or what so have you. Now, as a reader, I love to discover that. I absolutely oh. love it. And and that's part of the reason why I wanted to incorporate it into my own work, uh, just because it's it's what I love as a reader, that that attention to detail when it comes to characters and their journey throughout the world that this author has created. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons why I do it. All right. Now, I really want to get to the book that's coming out in December okay. because... I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, this is on the series of The Four Horsemen, correct? Uh, it's it's a Sandy Banks thriller, which, um, but you are, you, you're you're right. Uh, in the first book, The Last Horseman, the uh, last Sandy Horseman, Banks yes. was part of a part of a group that called themselves the Four Horsemen. Um, the premise of this series, or at least the first book, anyway, is that um, a, a group of police officers have formed a vigilante group. Uh, they're all retired or off the job, and they are fed information about really heinous, awful, terrible criminals who somehow slip through the cracks in the criminal justice system and escape justice. And their role uh, as a vigilante role is to mete out that justice. Um, but you read the series, or you read the view of it, which thank you very much for that. Well, thank you for the compliment. Uh, I, I think you really got the taste of the book uh, and understood what, what it was about. Um, but at, because at the beginning of the, this book, the four horsemen are down to two because a couple have retired and left or one died and one retired and, and got out of it. And at the very beginning of the book, the uh, other horseman, not Sandy Banks, is done as well. He's thrown in the towel. And so Sandy wants to do the same, but there's a couple more files that have to be resolved and they're trickier than he realized and things break down pretty quickly and he's on the run from the feds from the local cops from you know he can't even tell from who in some cases and uh, uh, there's a lot of action that takes place there um, this next book some kind of hell uh, the second book in in what'll be at least three probably only three uh, Sandy Banks thrillers uh, picks up pretty quickly after the end of the book that you read. Uh, and, and this one is more of a, um, you know, the four horsemen don't exist anymore. He's he's left Spokane. Uh, he's on the run. And it's more about filling in the backstory of, of what happened to him as a kid and his military experience that kind of created who he is. And then being on the run in the present and all three have some pretty huge events going on, some pretty tense events going on. And so we jump through those three time periods through most of the storytelling as he's trying to decide where to go and what to do. 
Meanwhile, he's being chased by a couple of different entities. Uh, I, I don't want to give out any spoilers, but I suppose it wouldn't be a spoiler to say one is are, are the feds. Um, which feds and, and why, I'll leave, I'll leave that for you to read, read in the actual book. But these are shorter novels that are really fast-paced, that are action-oriented. And, uh, I mean, I wrote the first book in 2010. I think it was published in 2011. And I've had the idea for the second and third book since then. But, I mean, it's 2023, so what is that 12 years later we're going right. to get the second book? Uh, you, won't have, you, you only have to wait 12 months for the third book, not 12 <laughs> years. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a fun series to write because it's, I mean, it's not Jason Bourne exactly, but it's closer to Jason Bourne than it is to my River City series. Right. You know? So, I mean, yeah, I'm, The Last Horseman was a, to me, it was an exciting book. It had a lot of, which I really enjoyed twist that I didn't see coming because in a lot of stories nowadays, everyone tries to follow a specific plot line, all this. And usually I'll be honest, when I first started listening to it, I'm sitting there going, okay, let's see if I can pick out all the things that are going to happen before they even happen. Who's the bad guy? Who's this? Who's that? I was wrong more than I was right, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Well, I, I like I like the sound of that. I usually don't like to say, "Hey, I'm glad you were wrong," but I'm glad you're <laughs> wrong. Uh, right. I try to have some surprises. I try to. I mean, maybe I'd be more successful if I followed an exact formula that people are kind of used to. But those are not the stories that occur to me, and they're not necessarily the stories I want to read. Certainly not the stories I want to tell. I I kind of have to be true to to what the story seems to be to me, and and if that means I toil in 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 you know, slightly above anonymity, then, then so be it. Uh, because it's all about the storytelling, right? And and being happy with the stories that you tell. So I've, I've wanted to finish the Sandy Banks arc um, with at least the three books. And, and then it'll hit a stopping point, kind of like I talked about before. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I won't come back to them, but uh, I kind of want to free up a little bit of time for a couple other projects and to to get some more River City books out each year rather than just one. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. And my opinion, I think people, the more I talk to people on this and that about different types of stories, people are getting tired of the same formula to where they're predicting everything that happens. I mean, most people watch shows and let it on the background noise because they already know what's going to happen in the first five minutes. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's unfortunate because it, I think, uh, you know, proper surprise, I mean, not just surprise for the sake of it, but surprise right. that, that comes out of the story organically and makes sense for the characters. Uh, it's not always easy to create, but it's a joy to experience. And Oh, yeah. You know, as a writer, as a reader, as somebody who was in law enforcement for 20 years, as somebody who's lived for half a century on this planet, <laughs> I don't get surprised very often anymore. So when I do, um, you know, I I scream from the rooftops about it because if it's a successful, fair surprise, not just a surprise for the sake of it that makes no sense, um, then I want to celebrate it. I want that book or movie or TV show to be more widely viewed because I feel like they've earned it. Um, And so, and that's what I'm striving to do in my own work is to legitimately surprise you uh, in a fair way that is entertaining and makes sense 
within the scope of the of the fiction and and, and of the character. Uh, you can't betray your characters. You can't have them doing things they wouldn't otherwise do just because right. you want to surprise. I mean, we all learned that from the last season of Game of Thrones, right? All of a sudden, <laughs> characters are, are doing things they'd never do. Characters are having things happen that were never part of their character arc to begin with, and and all for the sake, m- much of it for the sake of subverting expectations and and being rushed as well. Uh, right. And it's a good lesson for writers to, to learn from. Um, because I think if they had taken their time with some of those story arcs, they would have made more sense to people. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with the Daenerys heel turn that people talked about, to be honest with you, because I think that was foreshadowed, but it happened too quickly once it happened. You know, yeah. uh, there were other things that happened that I, I thought were eye-rollingly ridiculous when it came to character arcs, um, which is sad because that was a series that I, I thought was so excellent for so long. Uh, but it just goes to show you can be that excellent for that long. You can have characters that are stunning and, and stories that are compelling and readers or reviewers who are just so engaged and you can blow it. <laughs> if you're not true to your characters. Oh, I agree. So let me do this. I don't want to take up your whole day because like I said, with the amount of books you have and everything else, it would be easy to do, especially trying to dig through everything. But right now well, I have a, through a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm aware of that. But with the amount of books you have, we've just barely t- touched the tip of the iceberg. So one, I'm going to encourage people to go and buy your books because just from the one I've read, if any of the others are even close to that, they're going to enjoy them. So I have a profile for you on authorblurb.com where the profile has all your links in it. It has the first interview that we did. It has the review that I think comes out on the first, so in a day or two from when we're recording this, a couple, maybe a week or two before anyone hears this. So that interview will be, that review will be there. And of course, this interview will be there as well. Other than that, other than people going to the profile on authorblurb.com, where would you like people to go find you, find your books, or reach out to you? Uh, they can find a lot on my website, frankzafiro.com. Um, one feature on there, uh, obviously there's a search bar if you're looking for something in particular, but on the right-hand side there, there's a, a piece that says, you know, which books are for you. So if you like the procedurals, they're, they're listed there, or first-person you know, PI mysteries or hard-boiled noir or whatever it is that you like. It points you to the, the series that is in that category. So that can be helpful. Um, and and all, my books are all on Amazon uh, right now. Uh, if you're a Kindle Unlimited reader, you don't have to pay anything to read them. I encourage you to use that if you if you are in that program. And I'm on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and, and Instagram. Uh, my email is on the, uh, on the website as well. Um, and I am nowhere near popular enough that I don't answer every email personally. <laughs> um, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy interacting with readers. It's, it's the reason I go to a couple of uh, mystery conferences uh, in the spring and the fall, uh, just to, to have those interactions, because those are the people that you're telling the stories for, you know, and, and so it's great to hear their reactions and thoughts. Uh, so you can always email me or, or catch me on social media. Sounds perfect. 
Well, thank you again very much for coming on again. I've enjoyed this conversation probably more than I was even planning on to start with, too. So thank you again. I'm going to have you hold on for me for a second. So we're going to end the conversation for everybody else. I appreciate everyone being here. And then you'll now talk for a minute after. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So thank you for making it this far. Remember, you can go to authorblurb.com where there's plenty of stuff there for you to find. Enjoy another author. Enjoy finding that book that you love. So take the time. Do me a favor. Share. Subscribe. Enjoy the show and tell others. Thank you.